So this is after Matt Damon was like, I've exhausted all of my poop potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> now I just need to get back to Earth. Hey, I'm Daryl. I'm Jay, and you are listening to the Story Geeks podcast, which is produced by the Reclamation Society. What are we doing today, Daryl? Today is a special episode. We're not digging deeper. We're not hashing anything out. We're not making anything better. Okay, well, we might do a little bit. We're of sort of stuff. doing all we're, of the. Above. We are. So we, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Today we are talking about the Story Geeks podcast best of 2017. I like it. Now, what that means is. Listeners out there, best of means your favorites, the ones that you guys downloaded the most. That's what this is based on. We looked at our top 10 downloads, which equated to nine subjects because one of them was the same movie Two parts. twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which was, I think, uh, Revenge of the Sith? Revenge of the Sith, yeah. yeah. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go through every single one of these, reminisce a little bit, talk about the subject, and then we have a brand new question for every single for topic. each movie, so each yes. of your favorite podcasts, we're we're going back into them with a new question, which is super cool. And Daryl has come up with some amazing questions on here, so really looking forward to that. Um, also, stick around because we now actually have a Patreon account. So for the, those of you who don't know what Patreon is, Patreon is basically a service that allows us to um, charge you for premium content. So you get to subscribe. And what that allows us to do is it allows us to create more content. You get to support us, which then allows us to do even more content. And it's this really cool flywheel of just more and more content for you guys. Um, and we love doing this. So um, the more we can do this for you, the better. And you can actually support us on Patreon. There's different giving amounts that you can do per month. Um, nothing too crazy. You don't have to give a whole bunch to do it. So you can just go on, sign up to give, and you will get exclusive content. So what's the exclusive content look like today? In this case, I'm going to grill you a bit. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, I, uh, in June of 2016, you started what was then the Reclamation Society podcast. That's right, yeah. And has become the Story Geeks podcast. Yep. And I came in pretty early, but I came in later. And so... I've got uh, I've got a few questions for you <laughs> about some stuff that I didn't tell you about. So sounds kind I'm going to blindside sounds you. In, very intimidating, but yes. let's go for it. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to let you lead us through this whole this whole podcast. Okay. Well, I guess typically you count things down, like yeah. you start at the bottom and go all the way to one. Yeah. I think we're just going to go the other direction because that's sounds, how I've created good to me. these questions. So we'll start. Question number one is based on the most downloaded episode that we've had. Of the Story Geeks podcast. In 2017. In 2017. Yeah. Which is on Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, mm-hmm. which I believe was a Make It Better episode, or was this the no, Dig this Deeper? No, this is a Dig Deeper. So okay. this was a Dig Deeper with uh, special guest Tim Posada. That's right. Oh, yeah. man, that was fun. That was super fun. Yeah. That was a great podcast. That was good. How much? How, how long did we spend talking about Martha? Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> It was a much long longer time. than Tim wanted to talk about it. And a lot more time <laughs> since then on other movies that have mm-hmm. nothing to do with this one. We exactly. still talk about Martha. There is a make it better on Batman v Superman as well. It's just that this one's not the make it better. Yeah. <clears throat> and we talk about Martha then too. We do. Yep. Martha, Martha. Well, this question is not about Martha. No. This question is about Batman v Superman as the second part of a trilogy. Yep. So we have, a, we have the benefit now, which we didn't then, of seeing this trilogy right. that Zack Snyder 
mostly intentionally had. I guess <laughs> I guess when they were making Man of Steel, they weren't totally sure, but that's true. It's Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Justice League. Yep. So um, now that we can picture this movie as the second installment of a trilogy, my question is: How do you think it works as a second installment of a trilogy? How does it stand up against other famous second installments? Yeah. What do you think? It's such a good. It's such a good question. I don't think that it fits at all as the second movie in this trilogy. Um, really? So yeah. So my my go right off the bat, just straight to like, I don't think it works that well. Um, I think Man of Steel and BVS fit tonally, and the themes are carried through one film to the next. Um, and I really like that. I, I yeah. really liked Man of Steel, and I like the tone that BVS set. We talked about all the storytelling issues it has, um, but then we get to the Justice League. Several of the themes from BVS were either abandoned. So, for example, um, using Steppenwolf to usher in Darkseid, like, it's pretty much abandoned. Like, there's a couple references here and there to it, but for the most part, it's pretty much abandoned. So doesn't that then mean that Justice League is the one that doesn't fit? Well, this is in the context of a trilogy. Yeah. Right? So would I say Justice League doesn't fit? Yes. But as a second movie setting up the third movie... Now you've created like a you've created this like sort of weird time warp where it's like well neither one of them really fit right so I blame so let me put it this way I blame Justice League yeah. for the issues yeah but what it does to cause this movie whether or not it causes it to fit or not I think that this movie now doesn't fit even worse mm. does that make sense yeah um, so either there is themes that were abandoned like I just mentioned or totally bastardized. So, like, the inclusion of the parademons seems like a completely, like, like it's going one direction. It's like, no, we're just going to go this direction instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I kind of got that. I think that Justice League could have made BVS better. Yeah. And instead, it made it worse. Maybe still could if we get that Snyder cut. Oh, we'll I really hope we get a Snyder cut. So, here's my, here's my like, kind of final wrap-up um, for this question. If the Empire Strikes Back is how to do it correctly... <laughs> And too fast, too furious is how you don't, <laughs> how you don't do it. <laughs> then I'd say Justice League had the potential to make BVS like a solid, like the two towers from the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. But instead, it actually made it more like a Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought about that a lot too. You did. By the way. <laughs> That's very well worded. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, I, I I blame Justice League as well for the problems. Okay. So to me. I see the failing as Justice League being a weak third entry. Sure. And I think that BVS is actually a great second entry. I think it's a great... Yeah. Because I I guess I'm linking it more to Man of Steel, and I think it's a great progression out of Man of Steel. Right. Because it does three things, which I think all good second installments should do. Okay. It introduces new elements. Okay. It darkens things up. True. And it sets up a tension that will carry into the third film. This is true. So it does all those three things really well. Yeah. Now, the fact that the third film didn't pick up that tension very well, <laughs> it's not the fault of the second film. Uh, that's a good point. So That's a good point. It's partially the fault of the same filmmaker, but what are you going to do? I think what I was doing is I was taking all three films and then saying, like, now that we have all three, Justice League definitely is the one that doesn't fit. But if you're going to yeah. end up there... Then I'm like, oh, well, what happened in episode two where in episode three it doesn't fit? That's kind yeah. of what I was asking. But that does that take away from the quality 
of the second film. No, I don't think it takes away from the quality of the second film. I think it takes away from the quality of the trilogy. Yeah. Because like, if you think about it, like the Matrix, I brought up the Matrix trilogy, right? Yeah. The third Matrix film is by far the worst of the yeah. three. The second one is like, well, that's probably passable if the third one's better. But the third one's worse. So then yeah. you go back to the second one and you're like... And I can think of others like that too. Like, yeah. Not a geek franchise, but Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> yeah, the, fir- the first two are really good. The third <laughs> one's terrible. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. I like so, that. Yeah. That was a good question. I really enjoyed that. There was, back there. When I was looking into this, I was trying to put together my lists of good second installments versus bad second installments. Yep. And... Yeah, Too Fast, Too Furious, Matrix Reloaded, <laughs> yeah. Cars 2 was another one that I oh, thought I ne- of. I still haven't even seen Cars 2. Yeah. I heard it was so bad. Yeah, I didn't it's even not worth it. Yeah. Cars 3 is great. Really? I personally, I okay. loved Cars 3. All right. But I came across a, a good list that it's from whatculture.com. Okay. And it says 10 films that prove the middle entry in a trilogy is always the best. Really? Yeah. Oh, no way. So we see if you agree with these. Just a little sidetrack here. Okay. So, the Evil Dead 2. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen either. I, from what I understand, it's more just like a big, but a bigger budget remake of the first Evil Dead. Oh, okay, sure. But so it's almost a little more like a <laughs> homage film than it is anything else. Yeah, or just like a hey, someone's going to give us more money to do this again and right, try and make it right, better, right, right. You know. Right. Okay. Um, X Two, X Men United. Okay. Which, if you take the first three movies as yeah. a trilogy. For sure. That's the yeah. best one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By a mile. Uh, Desperado. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which... Desperado. Because you're counting... El so once, once Upon a Time... Yeah, yeah, yeah. El Mariachi and Once yeah. Upon a Time in Mexico is yeah. the bookend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, I liked... I know this is totally off topic. I liked Once Upon a Time in Mexico. It is bizarre, but it I liked right. it. Yeah. yeah. Huh? Robert Rodriguez he doesn't, doesn't quite click for me. Oh, uh, okay. I like him sometimes. Mad Max 2 was another one. Beyond, on is that Beyond the Thunderdome? No. That's, that's the three? third one. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Blade 2, which was the one directed okay. by Guillermo del Toro. Okay. Which, for me, I would disagree on that one. I think the third one's really fun. It's cheesy, but it's fun. I don't even remember it well enough. Yeah. I have to go back. I'll do a series on Make It Better Blade. <laughs> <laughs> Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Which, again, oh. if you're looking at just the first three films as yeah, a trilogy. Yeah. I like the first film the best, though. Really? Yeah, I love the term- I oh. love the original Terminator. T2 is, has a special place in my heart. Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. A lot of people say that's the best one. I hate all three of those films, so <laughs> I don't really care. But That's funny. <laughs> um, the Dark Knight. Duh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, obvious. We'll talk more about that. Yep. Godfather Part Two, which I will confess I have not seen. I haven't seen any of the Godfather movies. I feel like I've seen the first two and not the third one. Mafia movies, just not my thing. I like mafia movies, but for whatever reason, like the nineteen seventies mafia is not as interesting to me as like the back in the day, like the nineteen thirties, like yeah, Prohibition yeah. Mafia. Yeah. So And then Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Which, like yeah, you yeah. said, that's that's the one that taught us how to do it all. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, let's go to question number two. All right. Which is The Dark Knight. Speaking of... And by the way, before you ask your question, yeah, yeah. if you look at the most downloaded podcast of all time, uh-huh. it's this one. Okay. So if you include 2016 in the stats, okay. then this one is actually the number one downloaded podcast of all time. 
Rightfully so. Yeah. It's the best movie of all time. So (laughs) that just makes sense. Yep. Okay, so here's my question. Yeah. You and I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I'm not. Yeah. We would both still put The Dark Knight on the top of our comic book movies list. Comic book list, uh, comic book movies, absolutely number one, hands down. Yeah. Yeah. So my question is, why? What makes it better? Mm. I mean, after all these years, you know, since The Dark Knight came out, we've gotten the MCU. Yep. We've gotten the DCEU. Yep. We've gotten all kinds of comic book films. Yeah. A lot of people like Deadpool. Not my thing, but we've gotten Deadpool. We've gotten a ton. Yes. And it's been proven that it's a viable genre. It can be done really well by yep. really great, talented people. Yep. And yet nobody has dethroned Chris Nolan. No. Why do you think that is? So I could go into so many different things, but... The the basic thing I came away with as I was just contemplating this, like, yeah, why is this so good? And I just came down to, I feel like this film is art. Yeah. Like if you if you aliens show up on your on your doorstep, right? Like in your doorstep, like, you're like yeah. hey, like they knock on the door and you open the door and they're like, hey, we just want you to show us like some of the best art that you have, right? Yeah. You pull out this film. I mean, it it is like. First of all, a compelling story, mm-hmm. cinematically brilliant, yeah, um, amazing performances, Oscar-worthy performances from multiple actors. The only performance from a superhero movie to ever win an Oscar. Is it Heath Ledger? Yeah. Yeah. Well-deserved. I, I call it the best performance on film because mm-hmm. I'm crazy about that, but like I think it's so good. You have two worldviews that are classic worldviews that have been developed in the comics for decades, but you take Batman of like trying to create order and you have Joker who's trying to create chaos and like, and like mess with Batman's sense of like what the world really is and how the world really works. Mm -hmm. Take those two things. Um, It's not a comic book film. It's a work of art and everyone involved in the production took it that way. Like there's not a single person that stopped and was like, this is just a stupid comic book movie. Like I'm just going to act stupid or I'm going to act ridiculous. Yeah. Every single person was like, no, we're creating a work of art and I'm going to put that level of attention into it. Yeah. Um, And everybody bought into Nolan's vision because this vision is pretty ridiculous for a comic book movie at this point in time. What do you mean? Well, you hadn't seen a lot of dark, realistic takes. You had you, maybe you had like what the crow, yeah. But even that was a little ridiculous. Well, we had Batman Begins, right, right, right. So, 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 so just carrying through that. He whole had the trusted. You yes, know. yes. So he came at it with this. He came at it with this different perspective, and he had to get everybody involved from the studio, the screenwriters, to all buy into this thing that said, like, well, I'm creating a work of art. It just so happens to star Batman. Yeah. You know, but I think people were crying for it because the 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 last Batman film that we saw before this one was Batman and Robin, which is <laughs> a cheesy, stupid two hour toy commercial. Yes, and it's entertaining for its own reasons. Sure, but not good. <laughs> right. And since then, we had gotten an X Men movie. Yep. We'd gotten Spider Man movies that mm-hmm. I didn't like, but you can't argue were a giant improvement. Absolutely. And so it had been proven already that a good comic book movie could be made without Christopher Reeve. I'll put it that way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But but, so by now it's like, okay, the formula works. We've seen it. Yeah. 
can we finally get a good Batman movie, please? Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. And I, and I think you could make an argument that, like, Tim Burton helped from way back in the day. But those, I think when you watch all of those movies, like, all of those movies feel like, so here, I'll, I'll give you an example. It's like watching Starship Troopers in comparison to watching Blade Runner. <laughs> right? Like, both take place yeah. in a fanciful universe or, or a made-up universe, but one of them is hyper-realistic and made to be an art house film. Yeah. The other one is basically just made, be made to be eating popcorn and just, like, being entertained, right? Yeah. And I think all comic book movies up until that point, um, before Batman Begins, were kind of that, like, let's just eat popcorn and watch a movie, yeah. you know? But this is the first one where it was like, wait a minute, like the Batman Begins was, but then this was like the, the continuation of that will work. Let's yeah. pour everything we have into it. Yeah. So. And I mean, you talked about Tim Burton. Tim Burton, I think when when the 1989 Batman came out, yeah, it was dark. Yeah, it was. I mean, that was the darkest right. super mainstream superhero film anybody had ever made right. at that point. The difference between that one and this one is I just don't think it holds up. True. You know? That's true. I really feel like The Dark Knight. I mean, I know it's only been what five, six years since it came out, but oh no, the Dark Knight, two thousand, like ten years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, ten years. So, um, same year as Iron Man, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. But uh, another great movie. I know it's only been that long, but I think it's going to hold up. I don't think we're going to yeah. look back on it and feel like it's dated and right. cheesy, which I think Tim Burton's film feels that way. It does. Yeah, it does. <clears throat> but. Tim Burton's film started a vibe that yes. helped get to the Dark Knight. You yeah, know? no question. I mean, it informed the animated series, which yep. informed a lot of comics. And yep, so, so that's very true. I think some of the other reasons that it's so great are it was the first superhero movie. Well, Batman Begins was the first superhero movie to really take supporting characters seriously. Ooh, yeah, and put life into them. Absolutely. And then the Dark Knight just carried that on further yep. to the point where they all of them overshadowed Batman. Yeah. I mean, they really did. It's totally true. So if you yeah, if you start, if you said, hey, Jay, name your favorite characters, like Batman from the Dark Knight, the Batman character. It's like would, fifth. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's so many good. But again, think of all the people that you're asking. You're asking Michael Caine. To like, hey, play Alfred, but like play him like as a real like father figure. Yeah. Like don't like don't make it all cheesy. Like like really yeah. do this justice. And it's like, can you imagine Michael Caine? Like he's just Oscar uh, Oscar winner, right? I, I assume oh. Michael Caine. Yeah, it's gotta yeah, be for sure. Um, as is Gary Oldman, as is Morgan Freeman. Yeah, dude. So and Christian amazing. Bale too. I yep. mean, yep. all of them are. Ah, oh, so good. We could probably do another. whole hour on it <laughs> and the great injustice is do you know who is not an oscar winner at the time at all even no. now still who chris nolan are you serious yeah somebody vote that dude in now he's nominee he's nominee this year too right yeah is he i'm sure he will be yeah, i haven't he will seen be. the list yet he but, should be he and he's been be. nominated before yeah 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 um he's a, he's amazing he's never won i think he got nominated for interstellar but Oh, did he? He didn't win, yeah. Yeah, he's he's outstanding. The only other thing I was going to say is um, uh, the mystery behind the Joker's character. Oh, yeah. And not, not, I mean, we've talked about that. Like, he just wants to watch the world burn. Right. It's more interesting not to know his backstory. Right. But specifically to juxtapose that against Batman, whose backstory we know 
completely. Yeah. Yep, we know, yep. we completely understand his motivation. Yep. We know what he's doing. So to see that the so calculated and understood put up against something that just has no history whatsoever. We don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> it's yeah. super interesting. It right. is. Totally agree. So and you know, the Tumblr. <laughs> oh man, I love the Tumblr. I know it was in Batman Begins first, but That's true. Actually, for those but, of you who don't know this, Daryl when he bought a black Prius and named it the Tumbler, <laughs> which has its own irony to it. it but I, lo- I like it. It looks kind of like the Tumbler. Yeah, it's like a mini Tumbler. <laughs> and, and don't give me any crap for buying a Prius because you know you have one too. I have but one too, yeah. I'm just saying. Hey, it's great gas mileage. Is. <laughs> Yours isn't black. It should be. No. Yeah, it's not. Um, So, The Dark Knight. Amazing. So good. Yep. All right. So, our third movie is the first one on the list and the only one on the list I'm checking. Yeah. The only one on the list that you did not participate in. I know. And as I saw it, whenever I would see it, like climbing the charts, I'd be like, Oh man, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not on that one. I was all jealous of it. (laughs) What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So it's interstellar. Yep. So that's our third most downloaded. Elvis. Yes. Elvis. Yes. Yeah. The dark Knight. It should be mentioned. The dark Knight was just you and I. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Back when I was just a guest. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, Elvis and I talked about Interstellar, one of both of our favorite films. Yeah. Obviously, another Chris Nolan film. So mm-hmm. that works for me. And Elvis is a big sci-fi fan. Specifically, too, I think he's a big fan of movies that include concepts that are real world now, like NASA type stuff and space space exploration. Sure. So. Um, so this question is much more kind of an out there type philosophical (laughs) type question. So, um, for those of you who may not be familiar with Interstellar, can't believe there might be out there, but you might be, um, uh, it's basically about this, uh, former pilot astronaut named Cooper who, but you know, the world is dying and he gets called upon to help lead a mission to find another inhabitable planet for the Earth to relocate to. Yeah. So he leaves his family mm-hmm. in order to... His young family, too. His young family, yeah. yeah. In order to take this huge gamble yep. and see if he can save the world. Yep. So my question is, would you do the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> like, if, if our world was dying... And there was this slim chance that you had a skill that could save it, but you had to leave yeah. everything behind to do it. Would you do it? This is a really interesting question. It's one of those questions that like, you ask on the Story Geeks podcast for sure. Like, it's a total Story Geeks question. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't – this is sort of a cop-out answer, so I apologize in advance, but I'm not sure. Because like, I'd like to think that <laughs> I, I would do it. Same answer. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think that I would do it. Um, I'd like to think that I would value other people's lives either as better than my own or at least equal to my own. But I think it's hard to say because I think there's a component in when he goes out, um, it does appear that the world is definitely like for sure going to die. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I was just thinking about it because I was thinking like it's hard to take significant action and make sacrifices for everyone else mm-hmm. when you're not 100% sure that that's true. 
Yeah. Does that make sense? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. if you said if you said to me like, hey, like um like Hitler's literally taking over Europe, like, do you want to sign up for the war? Or like or or even better, like we we were just attacked at Pearl Harbor. Like, do you want to yeah. sign up to fight the Japanese, right? Yeah. It's like Oh yeah, like we, our country is in danger because all these other countries are all equally in danger. Um, but like, if you take it to the modern day, I was thinking about this in the in the context of like climate change. Yeah. Right. And I do believe that climate change is an issue. So if, I'm not a denier. Like, there's like probably most people are probably not deniers these days. Yeah. But like, so I try to do everything I can to contribute to not making climate change worse right so you know recycle reuse whatever blah 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 but if you ask me like right now like because of climate change will you get on a rocket you know what i mean like go up into space i'd be like i don't know like it doesn't seem like it's that bad yet yeah. like it seems was worse like in the movie obviously it was worse in the movie for I mean, sure there was only like what corn was the only crop <laughs> that would grow anymore yeah which is which is pretty bad yeah but so I think that like he's taking a sacrifice for the rest of the world, but it's hard to know what other solutions there could be. Like he seems to be in the know, like, <clears throat> oh, there's nothing else we can do. Yeah. Um, so I think that like there's a certain threshold where I think most human beings will say, I'm willing to do I'm willing to sacrifice something for the world to be a better place. But that's that willingness to, to be a sacrifice gets more and more you get you get more and more willing when you know that the consequences are yeah and i think that like that's a shame because like if we all would have like let's just say climate change for example right if we all would have bought into that like 10 years ago like we probably wouldn't be as bad off as we would today <laughs> right so um i think that there's a component here where it does seem like he knows and i and i want to feel like if i knew I would be willing to do that as well, yeah. but it's hard because I don't see that right this second. You know what I mean? Yeah. What about you? I mean, I have the same cop out answer. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And I, I mean, and I have kids, and so that's the heartbreaking thing for me when I watch that movie. Yep. Like the scene where he's literally watching his kids grow up on a monitor. <laughs> yeah. And realizing there's this whole life that he missed. Yeah. Like, I don't, I can't imagine I'd be able to handle that. Yeah. Like, I don't like being away from my sons for a day, yep. you know, yeah, let alone exactly. like years and years. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I like, I would like to think that I could be the hero and I would be self-sacrificing in that way. But I, man, I just cannot imagine leaving my family behind. Yeah. I think that if you're going to be a hero, I think two things have to happen. The first thing is you have to live out a value system. Like you have to have a value system, first of all, yeah. right? Wherein you have empathy for other people and you you value their well-being. And then the second thing you have to have is that you actually have to, in that moment, consider the consequences of doing nothing. And then like, but but not consider them like for like five minutes, like literally for like 20 seconds be like, Oh, I should do something about this. Yeah, because I think a lot of us. I think if you if you if you were to, if you're sitting here listening to this podcast in your car or if you're watching on YouTube or whatever, and you're like, oh yeah, I would totally do that. I'm like, 
I don't know about that. <laughs> like, like maybe some things you would do, but then some things you might not do. It depends yeah. on what it is and stuff like that. And so I just feel like, and and to also say that you wouldn't do it. I would say no. You might. You might. You you might be undervaluing your own heroism. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there's a there's a line in the movie from Matt Damon that sums it up really well. I I'm, I'm going to butcher the line. I don't remember it exactly, but it's something to the effect of our capacity for compassion does not extend beyond those closest to us. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yep, yep. the people that we love, we, we would die for the people that we love. Yes. But I don't know if he refers to it as impossible. I can't remember exactly, but he says yeah. that that does not extend to the world at large. Right, 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 right. So, and we said this was the sequel to The Martian, right? <laughs> the sequel to The Martian, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is after Matt Damon was like, I've exhausted all of my poop potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> now I just need to get back to Earth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's funny. And then downsizing would be the third part of that trilogy. What happens to him when he finally gets home and has no money? Exactly. No. <clears throat> that's awesome. Yeah. So interesting question that we just really can't answer. Yeah, yeah. Good to think about, though. Yeah. Yep. Okay, let's move on to the first of two times that we're going to talk about the Star Wars prequels here. Oh, yeah. So our fourth most downloaded episode of 2017 was uh, The Phantom Menace. Yep. With Michael Young from Michael That Young. Nerd Soul. Yep. Always awesome to have, I should say Nerd Soul. His, his, it's at That Nerd Soul. Um, always awesome to have Michael on the podcast. You know, I asked one of our listeners who we both know. Um, I asked her like, who's one of your favorite guests? And she said, Michael, yeah. 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 Which <laughs> Hard was to true argue for that. me too. Bef- yeah. Um, that's right. Cause I, I kept bugging you. I'm like, dude, I want to be on a podcast with Michael. I haven't done it yet. So that's we finally true because did. this podcast was recorded with Nathan, Michael, Lisa and I, I think. Yeah. And it was before you and I were co-hosting that's right. everything. That's so right. Yeah. I hadn't yet recorded with Michael, which yeah. we've done since we did the justice league episode. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's a great dude. I like him a lot. So I'm going to cheat a little bit. Okay. Well, not really cheat. Just because I would rather talk about new Star Wars movies than old ones. <laughs> <laughs> so my my question here is, now that we've seen three new Star Wars movies, so yeah. Force Awakens, Rogue One, and The Last Jedi. Dude, just listen to that statement. We've seen three new Star Wars I movies. Know. How awesome is it to live in, in the modern day? It is awesome. Um, Looking back, how do you see the prequels... Um, and I know this is Phantom Menace, but the prequels at large, how do you see them informing these new movies? Yeah. Because I know there's a lot of prequel haters out there that are like, oh, we don't even need the prequels. Like, right. we would have been fine to go from Return of the Jedi to The Force Awakens. And Yeah. I kind of know your answer already because you said this. I don't remember if it was, it was on the podcast we'll or if, if it was just when we were answer. talking about it. But I totally agree with you. These films make the prequels better. They make yeah. them more relevant, right? Yeah. So I think that the prequels set up and I, I, I'll leave Rogue One out of it because I don't know that Rogue One needs the prequels. But I think the prequels set up... Yeah, Rogue One is very A New Hope connected. Exactly. It doesn't need much else. It doesn't need much else. Yeah. But The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, the prequels set it up really well. So without the prequels, we would not have the richness that is the fall of the Jedi Council. Okay, which yeah, you do know my answer. <laughs> is really interesting storytelling, right? Yeah. Like that... When we watch, when we all watched that, we went, "Why is Star Wars so political? <laughs> this sucks." <laughs> you know, but if you don't have the fall Train of the Jedi, 
That's right. Why why are all these voices so racist? We went from battles with glowing swords to trade negotiations. Yeah, exactly. With, with ambiguously racist characters. For sure. It's like, how did yeah. you create a character that offends everybody? <laughs> but you did yeah, it. Exactly. Go George Lucas. No, but I mean like yeah. I, I think that if you if you've seen the prequels and then you watch Luke's character development of his doubt in the last Jedi. Yeah. It makes a whole heck of a lot more sense than it does without the prequels. Totally. Because you go, Oh yeah, we've kind of seen some of this before. We've seen these mistakes happen before. And so it makes sense that Luke would d- doubt himself in this way. And a lot of people have a lot of issues with Luke, where Luke is in the, um, in the last Jedi. Yeah. But I would say we actually, the prequels give us a rationale for how he could get there. Yeah. So I like that. I think um, I really want to see more of a connection. There's a line in The Force Awakens where, and if actually by the time you listen to this, our Force Awakens with Shannon McCarter podcast is probably out already. And we talk about this a little bit. Um, But we talk about the fact that Kylo Ren says to Vader's helmet, (laughs) he says, show me what you showed me before. I still want to know how he got that, by the way. Yeah, I want to know how he got that too. But he says, show me, show me what you showed me before. Yeah. And I I want to know what that means because I feel like there's a connection between Anakin and um, Kylo Ren that is not fully explained yet. Yeah. And I want to see what that looks like and why that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, And the last thing I just would say, like, Unlike Justice League and BVS, where the latter movies, where the latter movie, the Justice League, makes BVS kind of like, well, that's kind of weird, right? Like, yeah. Why did those things not get finished? I think the prequels actually seem better after you watch The Force Awakens and especially The Last Jedi. So now we have a trilogy trilogy. We, <laughs> we have a trilogy of trilogies. We're going to have trilogies. a trilogy of trilogies. <laughs> we do, yeah. Plus the Rogue One movie. Wow. <laughs> Plus a Christmas special at one point in time. And some Ewok movies. Oh, man. I watched the Christmas special with <laughs> my son. <laughs> yeah. This Christmas. This past That's Christmas. Awesome. He was so bored. <laughs> he hated it. <laughs> Why are we watching this, Dad? He's like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> Where's Chewbacca? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to sing in a minute. Don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> Oh, it's awful. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much already said everything I was going to say, except for one thing. But yeah, the the adding grayness to the Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Darkening the Jedi up, showing imperfection, um, is makes it so much more interesting. Absolutely. Which, and I don't think it hinders. Like you look at A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back yeah. as one of the best examples of good versus evil, black versus white. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't even think it takes away from that, but it gives mm-hmm. it somewhere else to go. Totally. So. Yeah. And then I think just the world building. I think I've said before that one thing the prequel, all of the prequels do amazingly yeah. is world building. This is true. Yeah. And I think that sort of expanded people's minds to the point where a lot of the new elements that we get in Force Awakens and Last Jedi and stuff people are okay with yeah because it hasn't been 40 years since something new was added to the right, universe right you know? right right yeah so yep absolutely yeah i think love them or hate them they added and they helped yeah i agree so it's hard to argue against that i agree that, all right that crafty george <laughs> lucas Ugh. <laughs> yeah yeah he was smart enough to make something bad and then get out of the way <laughs> 
<laughs> but then is it really bad afterwards? You can't tell. Yeah. Yeah, it's still bad. <laughs> I, well, I, no, I can't say that. That's that's not fair to say. I'm still not a, a prequel fan. But I'm I, not either. I, I appreciate what I, yeah. they've brought to the trilogy. Yeah, so. I agree. Except Jar Jar. That was bad and stupid. And, There's no excuse for that. And shame on you, George Lucas. <laughs> okay, let's move on to question five here, which is on Guardians of the Galaxy, volume yeah. one. Yep. Um, which was an episode that we did with Justin Weaver. Yeah. Who is? We're going to see Justin tomorrow. Yeah, we are. We're going to do the... Uh, a little glimpse into our personal lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to do the Secrets of the Empire, uh, the VR experience um, yeah. down in downtown Disney. So that's going to be really fun. Which, as we record this, just opened like a week ago. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. So, we might even do a review of it or something. We might we might have to make that I happen. I think he wants us to. I think that was the point of him inviting us. <laughs> I know. So. I know. We'll have to do that, yeah. Um, but yeah, Justin's a great guy. We've had him on a few times. And just fun to geek out with him. Absolutely. Okay, so um, I'm going to do the same thing here. I'm going to take a movie in the past and talk about something that's coming up in the future. Yeah, it <laughs> so, works for me. Um, we are finally, as we record this, we're about four months away from the Guardians meeting the rest of the MCU. Yep, that's For right. the first time in Avengers Infinity War. Remind me, I have a question for you after this too. Okay. Okay. So what are you looking forward to in regards to the Guardians being in Infinity War? Like, obviously, we'll get some good character interactions. Yeah. What kind of stuff there are you looking forward to? Who do you want to see on screen together? What about these worlds kind of colliding excites you? I really just want to see Rocket Raccoon making fun of the Avengers. (laughs) Like, that sounds awesome to me. I want to see him argue with the Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um... So, so I think that the Guardians... Now, this is as a person who never read any of the Guardians comics. Yeah, I never really did either. I started to read a few of them after the first movie came out. Yeah. But not a lot. But, and if you've heard... if You, go, you can go listen to our, um, our top 10 comic book movies podcast. Which we'll talk about later. Yeah. And if you, if you have listened to that, you know that this movie comes in at number three for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this film. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. And and it's somewhere on my list. Yeah. <laughs> I don't it's, remember where. It's on there. Yeah. We'll go listen to it and see. <laughs> but I think that the Guardians are the best anti-heroes out there. Um, so I know some say like, you know, Deadpool. Yeah. Deadpool's a great anti-hero. Um, I think you could even come up with like a grumpy hero like Wolverine and say like, oh, he's a great mm-hmm. anti-hero, you know. But I think the Guardians have this element of humanity that neither Deadpool nor Wolverine actually has, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy because there's only one of them that's actually human, but they've yeah. humanized all of these characters. Yeah, And the Guardians always get to the heart of the issue by cutting through all the BS. Like they get straight to the heart of the issue and it's sort of what's awesome about them. They stand around and talk about it <laughs> and we're okay with it. It's true. Like, usually in movies, you make fun of them for furthering the story through exposition and dialogue. Yep. And that's the kind of thing that that like identifies a bad movie. Yeah. But in this, it's great. Oh, yeah. Well, and just think of like, so I, I kind of contrasted it because I was, I was thinking about this and I was thinking of them as antiheroes and why they're the best. If you look at what the 
Avengers would do, and we've seen this in Civil War, we've seen this all the time, like, mm-hmm. Tony has one opinion, and then Cap has this other opinion, and it's like, uh, the UN, and, and then the, and what the, the Guardians would look at those two and be basically like, uh, bro, the UN and the US are both corrupt, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, they would say, like, why are you adhering to whatever system you have in place? Why don't you just do the human, the, why don't you just do the right thing? Even in light of the fact that oftentimes they, they're, the whole talking situations are yeah. them talking about what is the right thing and making fun of each other for even considering doing the right thing. Yeah. But they, they get through all of the bureaucracy. Like you hear, like basically Cap's always trying to figure out like this legacy of what it means to be an American and mm-hmm. be a, like a, a just soldier. <clears throat> yeah. And then you have Tony who's always trying to figure out what it means to kind of like have accountability. And those are great for their characters. But the Guardians come in and the Guardians are just like, who cares about that stuff? Like, why don't we just do the right thing? Yeah. Even at their own, even at their own peril. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is why I think the guardians movies work so well because they're out there in space. They're yeah. out in these galaxies that we've never heard of that don't exist in our world. Yep. And, and how the hell are we supposed to relate <laughs> to that? Right. And in my mind, they do it the same way that star Wars does it which is they build a family of characters and they make you care about the family. Absolutely. So it yeah. doesn't matter what's surrounding them. Absolutely. So, and that's why I'm super excited to see them interact with the Marvel world, specifically Peter and Tony. Because Peter I think, no, Peter Quill and oh, Tony Stark. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think they're opposites. Like, mm. I think Tony Stark... You know, he's the hero because he's trying to atone. He's trying to change. He's trying to right. get rid of his guilt from being the warmonger yep. and yeah. and the legacy of his dad. And and he's very dysfunctional in that way. He's doing good things, but he's he's always still in his head. Right, right. Whereas Peter is not that way at all. <laughs> Peter has stolen. He's robbed. He's killed people. He's yeah. done all these things. And... It just, it doesn't affect him because he knows what he cares about and he knows what matters to him. Yep. And he's not trapped in this loop of guilt and stuff like that. Yeah. But he is trapped in his own thing, which is, you know, having lost his mother. Yeah. And yeah. always trying to find family. Yeah. So there's just, their value systems are so different and what they care about is so different. Yeah. And I, I'm hoping that, we get to see how those two clash a little bit. It's funny because as you said that, I, I just reflected on The Last Jedi for a second again. And I just realized that like basically Tony Stark is like one of those people at the casino who's like selling arms to both <laughs> sides. I mean, yeah. he doesn't sell to both sides anymore, obviously. He's yeah. like chosen to what he thinks is the right <clears throat> side. Yeah. But then you have um, Peter Quill, who's basically the DJ of the scenario, mm. except that he would never betray people like like he's out for the family right like yeah. he's out and that's what makes him so great because he's like he's the one that would sit there and be like well tony sells tony's selling arms to these people like yeah. what's up with that yeah and but he's also the guy who would never betray his friends like yeah. dj did right or his pseudo friends but he, he would never do that yeah so but it's also a lot of what peter does and a lot of what the guardians do it's weird. They're called the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And they talk about how they're saving the galaxy. Right, right. But I think their true focus is saving each other and protecting each other. Yeah. It's like and it's, the it's, Avengers are really 
a better picture of what it's like to save, save the galaxy. innocent people around you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know. It should be interesting. The other thing I want to see is Thor and Drax. <laughs> that yeah. just sounds entertaining to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Flex off. Um, flex and off. honestly, Gamora. Like, mm. I, I, I find her perspective super fascinating. Like, mm. I think she's my favorite character from the Guardians movies. Oh, really? Yeah, just because she comes from this whole thing of being raised as a weapon and being raised under the fist of Thanos. And so her perspective on everything is just drastically different than everybody else's. That's true. And I kind of want to see how that butts up against the rest of the MCU yeah. also. Yeah, I can see that. So I have a question for you before okay. we move on to the next one. Yeah, yeah. Do you think at the end of this year... Black Panther will be the better Marvel film or Infinity War will be the Marvel film, better Marvel film? Man, I don't know. I was just having this debate. You're not even going to give Ant-Man and the Wasp a chance there? No. (laughs) (laughs) No chance. I really love I think Ant-Man and the Wasp is going to be more important than we think. Could be. It could be. It's the first film of Phase 4. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Infinity War caps off Phase 3. So So our our listener, uh, Monty... I was talking to him about this the other day, and I'm uh-huh. like, dude, I think that, that Black Panther is going to be a better film than Infinity War is, personally. I think it's going to be hard to tell at first. It's going to be a matter mm. of which one holds up better over time. Yeah. I'm more excited about Infinity War than uh, I am Black Panther. I'm more excited about Black Panther. Um, part of that is because Infinity War has Cap in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And bearded, that's, bearded that's my Cap. favorite MCU character. I mean... yeah. Man, that shot of the five of them or whoever it is running at the camera, the one that ends the trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, that's one of my favorite shots I've seen in any movie <laughs> ever. Is, I'm, just, cool. I'm so excited about that. Yeah. I, you know me. I always like the more of the individual story as opposed to the group story. Yeah. So that's that plays into it for why I think Black Panther is going to be so cool. But the other, thing, the other thing is, too, like I don't have a lot of history with Black Panther. Yeah. Um. But man, does that look cool? And man, does it look like it's done well? And I am a big fan of not all, but a lot of Kendrick Lamar's music. And so yeah. the fact that he's on the sound doing the yeah. soundtrack for it, just I don't know, just looks super cool to me. I think it looks awesome too. I'm I'm really excited about it. I think it's a new voice to the Marvel universe. Yeah, and to superhero films in general. Yeah. So I think it's going to be really cool in that respect. Um, it feels to me, we'll see if it holds up like this, but it feels to me kind of like I felt when I saw trailers for the winter soldier. Oh yeah. Cause at that point I didn't care as much about cap mm. and then seeing the trailers for the winter soldier, I was just like, Oh my gosh, that looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. And it was amazing. And I feel the same way about black Panther. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I'm excited for both. I, I don't know which one will be better. That's too hard to say. Yeah. It's hard to predict. I'm just really looking forward to Black Panther, so we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Batman some more. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go back to Chris Nolan and Batman and talk about The Dark Knight Rises. Yes. Which is our sixth most downloaded podcast of 2017. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Was that one also just you and me? Yeah. Pretty sure it was, yeah. So we monopolize all the Batman talk. Fair enough. Yeah, because I was basically you were basically my exclusive Batman guest. I was your Chris Nolan guest. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Pretty much. 
you well, you know, you were my Batman guest, and then when I said, "Hey, why don't you do some podcasts on your own?" You're like, "Chris Nolan is what all these." Yeah. <laughs> is what all you're talking about. <laughs> There's more Chris Nolan movies. <laughs> we haven't done them all. Exactly. Okay, so for this one, we're gonna dream a little bit. Yeah. Um, this is like a make it better. This is gonna make a better question. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like it. yeah. it is kind of, um, because a lot of people would say that The Dark Knight Rises is the weakest of Chris yeah. Nolan's Batman trilogy. I would say that. I would say that too. Um, I say that with a huge grain of salt. Sure. Because I love all three of those movies to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. Reason. But if you're going to compare it to the other two, yeah, it's not quite as good. Right. Um, so let's see if we can fix that. So Sounds good to me. Um, we're going to talk about how would we, if we were tasked with mm. the, with the task of <laughs> following up the Dark Knight. Yeah. Um, how would you do it? What would your... Dark Knight Rises look like, uh-huh. and to make it even more interesting, let's pretend that we hadn't lost Heath Ledger. So yeah, he's still crazy. available okay. for the third film. So um, there's some things that I want to first of all just keep. Yeah, right off the bat. So one of those things is um, I also like that Batman is older. Yeah, and sort of decrepit in mm-hmm. many in many regards. He's his body's just giving out on him. I really yeah. like that aspect of it. So I'm going to keep that. Um, but we're going to start at Joker's funeral. Interesting. That's how the movie's going to start. Somebody and bothered to have a funeral for the Joker. Yeah. Well, and it's probably only attended by like Batman and Alfred, right? <laughs> um, Balfred. <laughs> how have we not thought about that before? I don't know. I don't know if I like it. <laughs> it feels more like Affleck and Irons. It does, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're gonna have that, um, no, no, no worries. So we're at Joker's funeral, and he's the last great criminal. But now he's dead, and Gotham City is basically like crime, crime free. Okay. And Bruce doesn't feel like he has a place there anymore, which is sort of similar to what they're doing in the, in yeah. the Dark Knight Rises already, yeah. too, but for kind of different reasons. <clears throat> um, so Bruce is then mourning the loss of his nemesis almost as much as he is the loss of the fact that he can't be really Batman anymore and he's getting old. So you're um, kind of bringing some Lego Batman movie <laughs> elements into this. Yes. He's going to have a tantrum and yeah. go like, no, 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 no. Where's my lobster <laughs> Thurman? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's my favorite line. I hate everything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. Um, all right, so... Uh, as soon as Bruce hangs up his suit, a new crime wave breaks out. So, again, sort of similar to The Dark Knight Rises, but here's where it kind of changes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all the heavy hitters from back in the day that are causing this crime spree, right? So, like, it's Two-Face and Bane and Scarecrow, Penguin. Like, we're adding all of them in. Okay. And it's like, whoa, what is going on? Because like, they all should be either dead or, like, really old and incarcerated. Um and then it, as Bruce goes back to fighting them, and this is, again, a Bruce that's, like, having to use, like, augmented suits like mm-hmm. he does in, what is it, the, uh, the uh, what's the name of the, the comic? Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, no. Sorry. Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight Returns. That's, yeah, that's the Major one. Major Batman failure right there. <laughs> I apologize. No, no, no. That's a good. I corrected it. It's not so much a Batman failure. It's just the... The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, Dark Knight Returns. So he's, that, this is the kind of Batman we're dealing with. But he's realizing that as he fights these characters that there's something that's not quite right about them. 
And then this is when we learned that the Joker actually had faked his death. He was not actually dead. And this whole time, he's been reviving dead criminals with the Lazarus pit and re- and unleashing them on Gotham. They're Joker zombies. <laughs> They're Joker zombies. <laughs> and so he's basically unleashing them on zombies. And then, and then what, what Batman has to do is call on the next generation for help. So he has to go recruit um, Dick Grayson. And maybe there's even an indication that he had been working with Dick Grayson. And Dick Grayson was like, look. Like, cause you know, night, the, the whole Nightwing thing. Like, we can't keep doing this, Bruce. You're getting too old, and there's not that much crime anymore. Like, give yeah. it up, right? Did but, we get a zombie Rachel? Did he resurrect? Oh, Rachel? that would be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have to get a zombie Rachel, cause that would just like devastate him. I guess she wouldn't really have much of a body to resurrect, though, considering the way. Yeah, he her. that's true. That's true. That's true. It's a it's really creepy Rachel. Thought. It's just Rachel's hand. Like, <laughs> 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 um. No, but like Dick Grayson, Barbara Gordon, Tim Drake, even they're all back. To, and oh, and Batman yourself into a corner. I'm uh, ask well, you a follow-up question. Well, here. I'm I'm sure I am. But <laughs> um, so in the end, though, the, in the end, Bruce has to. So in the movie, in The Dark Knight Rises, we kind of see um, Bruce sacrifice himself, right? But in in this film, I actually want Bruce and the Joker to both actually fully die. Okay. And then Dick Grayson would then take up the mantle as Batman, closing it out. Okay, you ready for the corner you backed yourself into? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why if not? you're going to talk about <laughs> Barbara Gordon, Dick Grayson, and Tim Drake, yeah, I want to know who's going to play them. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, first of all, I think the casting of Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh-huh. if that were Dick Grayson, fantastic. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Which, amazing. For the majority of that movie, that's where I thought they were going. I did too. Yeah, exactly. And he kind of is. <laughs> he pretty much is. Sort yeah. of. He just isn't a circus performer. Yeah, yeah. He's not named Dick Grayson. Yeah. He's kind of that character. Barbara Gordon's probably the most difficult one. Um, because that one's a tough one. Because I'm not as familiar with all of the young actresses that are out there. Because there's lots of good ones out there right now. Mm-hmm. Um. That one's a hard one. Like whoever the young Kate Winslet is, that's who I would make Barbara. I don't know who that is, but that's what I would make Barbara Gordon. All right. Um, and then Tim Drake. I, th- I feel like Tim Drake has got and th- and this Tim Drake I think has to be sort of edgier, like almost like a, a Jason Toddy, <laughs> yeah. uh, Tim Drake. And so for someone really like proud that, of you for knowing the names of all the Robins, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't even brought up Damien. Oh, my gosh. Um, he's not in this movie. That's just yeah, the thing. He shouldn't be. Um, yeah, so Tim Drake. Who would play Tim Drake? Um, somebody with a little more edge to him. You know, honestly, who would be really fun to play a Tim Drake, even though they're not that edgy, but I'd love to see him tackle something like that, would be um, Tom Holland. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so somebody in that somebody in that kind of vein, um, I, I think Ezra Miller would have been a good candidate for someone like that as well. But now mm-hmm. he's he's the Flash. That's kind of awkward. Well, I've thought a lot about this. Yeah, <laughs> I have answers. Obviously, to that's this. like my on the spot. Hey, I have got? answers to these questions. Okay, okay. I can give you the correct answers. <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's hear it. So Tim Drake, I actually haven't thought a whole lot about, but the first thing that comes to my mind, and I don't know the actor's name. I can't think of it. I think it's Ryan something, but. Mm-hmm. When, um, when Batman v Superman was still being made, yeah, and we hadn't seen much yet, other than maybe you know the one black and white image of Batman standing next to the Batmobile, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was an actor 
who has done, I don't know if he's a like a Disney Channel actor or hmm. a young actor. He's a teenager who is also <clears throat> like a decent martial artist and stuntman and oh, super okay. fit, similar to Tom Holland. I don't know if he's a dancer, but okay. he released a video online on uh-huh. his YouTube account or whatever, which was basically his audition to play Robin. Oh, nice. And I think he was thinking Dick Grayson. Yeah. Um, but it was, he literally said, I think he said Ben Affleck's name in it. Like, Really? It was his attempt to get cast as Robin. I think he would make a good Tim Drake. I can't tell you his name. You're looking it up right now. I'm looking it up to see if I can find it, yeah. I feel like it was Ryan something, but... um, Oh, I think I found it. That YouTube video is out there. Did you find it? Uh, It looks like this is it, and it's just a matter of when... Oh, Ryan Potter. I see. I got the first name right. Yeah, you had it. Okay, Ryan Potter. Oh, he's the voice role for Disney's Big Hero 6. Yes, that's right. Yeah. He played the big uh hero. He's hero. He's hero. Okay. Hero Hamada. Yeah. Oh no, sorry. He's He's the brother. He's in the TV series. Oh, he's not in the movie. No, not in the okay. movie. Okay. We're way off topic, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I just that just came to my mind that he could be a good Tim Drake. But Barbara Gordon and Dick Grayson I've thought a lot about. Okay. And they're both of those characters are coming in the movies, hopefully. Oh, really? They're both in the works. There's a Nightwing movie and a Batgirl movie oh, yeah, yeah, in true, the yeah. works. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So my picks for those for Barbara Gordon, uh-huh. Saoirse Ronan. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I saw people talking about that. Yeah, I think she'd be amazing. And then for me, there's only one pick for Nightwing, and it's got to be uh, Stephen Yeun from The Walking Dead. Oh, that would be amazing, yeah. I just think he... Yeah. I don't care that he's not white per se you yeah, know like yeah. the race doesn't matter to me Who cares? my second choice would actually be dev patel from oh that's a good choice too yeah from like lion like and slumdog millionaire although he's getting a little old now yeah but yeah. night if he plays nightwing nightwing's older that's true um and then even like riz ahmed from rogue one he was the pilot oh yeah, in yeah, rogue yeah. one yeah what i like about these guys this is way off topic but i don't even care because it's my favorite character so yeah. what i like about these guys is they all have a vibe that I think Nightwing should have uh, okay. that I think Dick Grayson should have, which is, you know, he's had the benefit of watching Batman. Mm-hmm. And so he's learned from Batman and learned what not to do from Batman. Right. So he has a gravity about him, but he's also optimistic. Yes. And he has kind of this quiet intensity and quiet optimism yep. and a certain nobility. Yep. And he's a leader and he's somebody you want to be friends with. Yep. And he has a goodness to him, but is still tough. Yeah. And I feel Which like perfect. Those the, guys the would Steven totally Yoon is like perfect for that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when I watched Glenn on The Walking Dead, I'm yeah. like, I'm watching Dick Grayson. Like, yeah, it really yeah, felt yeah. that way. Yep. That's great. What were we talking about? Oh, we were just casting. So we're on oh, question Dark seven Rises, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dark Knight Rises. But you didn't say what you would change about, what you would do about okay, it. Okay. So here's my Dark Knight Rises. Okay. I would keep a lot of stuff, too. I think I'd keep more than you did. Oh, okay. So I would also keep the time jump. Yeah. Um, time jump is positive. Years. Yep. Um, it could be more than that. It could be less. doesn't matter. But yeah. the, the, I think it's eight. I'm, I'm almost positive you're right about it's eight. It's eight, yeah. yeah. The important thing about it is in order for the Dark Knight Rises to make sense, mm-hmm. the efforts to clean up Gotham in the Dark Knight have to have worked. Yes. There has to be success to that. Yep. I still want that to be true. Okay. 
So that'll still carry through. All right. And I'm in the same place as you. Have Batman hasn't been seen for years. Great. He, um, yeah, he's got issues. You know, he's decrepit. You know, yeah. he, he needs augmentation ultimately to help him. Um, and I'd keep other things too. I would keep Bane. Um, same motivation. Mm-hmm. Same story, you know. Even connected to the League of Shadows is fine. Sure. Um, but his intent to tear down Gotham, same thing. Yeah. Um, I would keep Blake as yeah. Blake. Okay. I love that character. Yeah. Um, and so I would keep that too. What I would not keep uh-huh. is Talia. <laughs> sure. I would eliminate her altogether, though I really like that comic character. I don't think we need her. I think Bane's connection to the League of Shadows is enough. I don't think we need Ra's al Ghul's daughter in the movie. Right. So, but I do think Bane needs a cohort. He needs another character working with him. Right. That character is going to be the Joker. So, Uh, for me, Bane is going to come in to Gotham, and one of his first moves is going to be to bust the Joker out of Arkham. Ah, so that he can use him. Okay. Because <clears throat> what's he trying to do? He's trying to destabilize Gotham. Yeah. And who's better at that kind of stuff than the Joker? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But obviously the two of them are not going to get along very well. So we're yeah. going to get to see that. Um, and ultimately, the Joker is going to... Oh, another reason that Bane will bring the Joker into it uh-huh. is because I think he should anticipate batman returning uh okay i think he believes that once he makes his presence known in gotham batman will resurface yeah yeah yeah, so the joker is sort of an insurance policy against that too okay um but ultimately for me the joker will kill bane oh okay oh yeah he will yeah because he can't tolerate the planners right he wants everything (laughs) to be chaos yeah yeah so ultimately he will take bane out nice and batman's final act or Bruce's final act as Batman Uh will be defeating the Joker once and for all. Ah, nice. And that is what will, you know, overcoming that, beating him, is what will give him the sense that, okay, I can stop being Batman. I can let Blake take over and move forward. Nice. And there will be no love story per se. We can still have Catwoman. That's cool. I like that element. Yeah, I like that too. But I also like the subtlety of their development of their relationship development. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't want it to be any more heavy handed than it is. Yeah. By the way, I was talking, you mentioned, um, Catwoman and that made me think of, I was just talking, I did a, um, I did a television interview. It'll be on YouTube. I'll link to it when we, by the time this comes out, I'll probably be able to link to it. But, um, I I saw one of my friends there, um, who's also a listener of the, of the podcast fuzz, and Fuzz, um, he had been reading uh, Sheriff of Babylon, mm-hmm. like like uh, Michael Gordon and I talked about on the yeah. podcast. But he also had been reading um, Tom King's run in Batman and was oh, and so was good. raving about it. So and he was talking about how there's the one there's the one setup where you have an older Batman and an older Selina Kyle kind of reflecting upon. And I was like, that is so cool. So I got we we need to try to talk about that at some point in time. In the comics, Batman and Selina Kyle are now engaged. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> but no, Tom King's, man, his first issue yeah. that he wrote of Batman, it was this story featuring these characters, um, Gotham and Gotham Girl. Okay. I think were their names. All right. 
but they're like new superheroes oh. in Gotham. Um, but it's darker and twisted than that, and there's a whole thing behind it. Okay. But his first issue was sort of his chance to reintroduce Batman, his version of Batman. It's one of the best single comic book issues I've ever read in my entire life. Really? It is so good. Oh, I'm going to have to read that now. Like, it <laughs> it features a moment where Batman is literally, without hesitating, willing to let himself die to save Gotham. Wow. It doesn't happen, but yeah, it's so good. That's cool. And as a result, I've gobbled up everything I could from Tom King. Yeah. He's just so good. So He's amazing. He should, we should interview him on the podcast. Oh, yes. Let's do if that, you know please. Tom King, tell him to be on our podcast. Hook us up. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, question seven. Now we're going to go back to Star Wars. All right. We'll talk prequels again. So this is the only movie that had a, a repeat appearance on our list of This is the one that showed up. Part one, part two both yeah. showed up. This was uh, Mark Herleman and Seth Fontaine mm-hmm. with, with Nathan and I. Yep. Yep. And um, I think a lot of people feel like this is the best prequel. Yeah, I think it's the best prequel. I think that's... I think so too. Yeah. I think that's largely the opinion. Um, it's also upon rewatch now, it's actually very good. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, some of the other prequels, like, it, because it has the least issues with it. Like, when you watched it in the context of the prequels and you thought, like, there's not going to be any more Star Wars films, yeah. <laughs> you were like, well, yeah, it's good. But the two <laughs> others that came, like, we talk about a trilogy. Yeah. But now, if you look at, like, no, 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 no we have. What is it? We have nine now. Yeah. We have nine Star Wars films in the in the in the cinematic versions, and um, now it's a really good entry. Yeah. So. So, my question again: I'm going to use the past to talk about the present. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about similarities and differences between Anakin in the prequels yeah. and Kylo Ren. You start us out this time. I want to hear yours first. Okay. Well, they are both. Completely dysfunctional. <laughs> They're both emo whiners <laughs> who can't control themselves. Yeah, both have long hair too. On a deeper level, they're both suffering from a failed relationship with a mentor mm. or with their master. Yep. Um, so, I mean, obviously, we see reflections of Anakin in Kylo. Yes, which is, I think is necessary Yep. because we need a villain who feels like a Star Wars villain. We need some familiarity in there, mm-hmm. but we need something new. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons that Kylo is my favorite Star Wars character mm. is because I think that balance is perfect. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, differences. I do think Kylo is a more interesting character mm-hmm. than Anakin was. Um, mostly because we don't know where he's headed. <clears throat> we don't know where Kylo will be after episode nine. Yeah. We knew Anakin was going to become Vader. Right. Maybe some viewers didn't. Some of the newer viewers. Yeah, if you didn't watch I the think we've talked to people who history. didn't know that right. Anakin was going to be Vader. Right. But we knew. Yeah, we, <laughs> so, we knew that was going to happen, yeah. So Kylo's just more interesting because I don't know I mean, know if you saw headed. the poster... I know. The, yeah, the shadow. <laughs> the shadow one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Like, that kid's got a weird shadow. Yeah. His shadow <laughs> looks like a big monster. <laughs> exactly. Anyways. Um, 
And then I just think Kylo is more complex, mm. which I think is just is just the product of, you know, J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson's writing versus George Lucas's writing. And I would say their direction of Adam Driver. Because, yeah. because Hayden Christensen is actually a phenomenal actor, but the lines he's given the direction he's given. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's suffered. That's not, I don't think that that's you. I don't think you can put that on Hayden Christensen yeah. personally, but, and I'll say too, when they cast Hayden Christensen, I thought, Oh, he looks good. Like, yeah. He looks the part. Yep. Oh, this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah. Whereas I, when I saw that Adam driver was going to be in a star Wars movie, I was like, really? That guy? <laughs> like I hadn't seen anything that he did really. Right. You know, I, I don't watch, uh, was it Girls? Is that the I show on HBO girls, that he's yeah. on? I've never yeah. seen that. I hadn't seen, really seen any of his movies. So I'm just like, I don't know a whole lot about this guy, but he just, he didn't look like a cool Star Wars villain to me. And I remember being a little bit skeptical about it. Right, 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 but right. But it was completely the other experience. I was like, oh my gosh, this dude's amazing. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, this is so good. Exactly. So. Well, I had most of the same things you had. I was, I... <clears throat> Um, you know, obviously emotionally unstable. Yeah. Um, also conflicted with their own behavior. So I thought this was interesting. Like, yeah, both of them are struggling with this idea that they're pulled both to the light side and the dark side. Mm-hmm. And Anakin's Anakin's journey is not the same because like Kylo is like trying to be dark side and is being pulled to the light side, whereas Anakin is like trying to be light side but is pulled to the dark side. Yeah. But they're the they're by far the grayest or they're they're by far the the two characters that struggle with it the most yeah um both terrible with women too (laughs) yeah exactly yeah it's very true it's yes very true i mean kylo made an attempt he went he got all buff (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but yeah no no not not good yeah you know the heroes the heroes in star wars really not good with women <laughs> like like luke's best effort is with his sister <laughs> that's true. so it's not good it's not good man that's true that's not good yeah uh, the only other thing i had was like they're definitely misguided and manipulated by someone who's more powerful than they yeah. are or at least or at least not necessarily more powerful but like more able to manipulate them and influence them in yeah. a way that they they can't really deal with very well yeah I think the biggest difference for me is that I feel like Kylo's Kylo feels like he was forced into his position more because like he, it feels like Kylo was searching for acceptance from everyone and just kept getting rejected. Yeah. And then finally Snoke's like, I'll accept you. What's up? Yeah. Whereas like, I feel like Anakin was accepted by people, but he was like, I reject the way that you're accepting me. Yeah. I want to do my thing. Yeah. I don't feel like Kylo was ever like that. It's like, you're all holding me back. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I think so. So I actually think that Kylo seems like his motivations are actually more pure than Anakin's motivations, even though they're both turning to the dark side. It's like, it's like some of, it's like if you have a friend and you're like, that your friend has a really messed up viewpoint about something, but you're like, I know this person isn't a bad person. I just don't understand why they have this messed up view. I don't, how did they get to this yeah. viewpoint? And it's more like, 
with Kylo, it's like, oh, because of all the emotional pain that they've endured. Like, yeah. like their experiences have led them here. Yeah. As opposed to somebody else who's like, I'm just going to be in, I'm just going to be a total jerk because I want to be. That seems more like Anakin, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, th- those two characters are definitely playing off one another. Who do you like better? Oh, I think Kylo's fantastic character. Yeah. I mean, so... I've never I've never thought of this before, but and I think that this is going to hold up after I think about this more. Um, but I think that the sequel trilogy characters are the best characters. Yeah, my favorite characters are um, Han even the Solo. versions of this, even the versions of the original characters in the sequel trilogies. Yeah, for me. Yeah, it's true. It's pretty good. I mean, yeah. I think Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill are awesome. Yeah. But my three favorite characters are still Han Solo, Rey, and Boba Fett. And Boba Fett's like he's barely even in the yeah. whole thing. And I and I and by the way, when I say Boba Fett, that does not include kid Boba Fett from the prequels. <laughs> that, that really bugs me. But um so so it's even evil kid in history. <laughs> He's like yeah. Damien from yeah. The Omen. It's just like, dude, just get that ha- kid, kid a haircut and put him in a cage somewhere. <laughs> I mean, come on. No, I don't advocate for putting kids in cages. That's a joke. But um, <laughs> you got to be careful these days. People will think you're serious about stuff. Um, so, I but I mean, you take a look at like Poe Dameron yeah. and the how well-rounded his character is. Yeah. And actually, I thought that his character in um, The Last Jedi was great. I love his character. Yeah. We're going to do a whole podcast about The Last Jedi quickly following this one. Or actually, you might hear that one first. Um, so I'm not going to go deep into that. But yeah, I think that, I mean, Ray's character is awesome. Kylo's character is awesome. And again, that's just that's just really good filmmaking. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Okay. Here is our first chance to talk about television. Yes. Yeah, we haven't talked a lot about television. No, we haven't done a lot of episodes about television. No, there's some Luke Cage episodes, and then there's some Stranger Things episodes, and that's pretty much it. So, Stranger Things. Specifically, I don't remember which episode specifically this comes from, because you did a few Stranger Things episodes. <laughs> I think I got through like six episodes, and then just like... <laughs> just yeah, like you were did, going episode by episode. I didn't, no, we did finish it. We did finish it. I think we did a finishing episode of it. We had, I think I had Karina Fabian and Isaac Johnson on. I can... Hang on, let me check. Oh, Stranger Things season one. Yeah, so we did a recap episode. So okay. that recap episode was the most downloaded. So that's cool. And it says string theory. So I'm guessing Sam Wilbaum was the guest on that one. <laughs> no, I think it was Karina. I think it was Karina Fabian and Isaac Johnson, I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. But Karina Karina's husband is an aerospace engineer, basically. Okay. And she writes science fiction, so and Isaac's an actor. So we were like we were into it. Like we were talking about totally. you know, all that kind of crazy stuff. Okay. Well, again, I'm going to use the past to talk about the present. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like it. So my question is really more about stranger things season two, yeah. which we haven't done any episodes on. Right. And haven't really taken any time to talk about. And, um, it's pretty much just, let's do a quick review. Yeah. Of season two. Yeah. Like, how did you enjoy season two? How do you think it stood up against season one? Yeah. What do you think about where they took the story? So, and this is probably where we're gonna, we're gonna have the biggest difference probably in this particular uh, topic. Yeah, maybe. Because I I think season one is a nine and a half out of ten. I love mm-hmm. season one. I think season one is 
incredibly well done. I think season two is more like a seven and a half out of ten. And, and when I say seven and a half, like a bunch of people like freak out. Like when I say like I say seven and a half out of ten, and then I start to describe what a seven and a half out of ten looks like to me, which includes some criticisms. It's what I gave the Last Jedi. Yeah. And then everyone starts freaking out on me like I hate it. I'm like, no, I really like it. Like <laughs> seven and a half out of ten is really good. If I didn't like it, it'd be like a four. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm just saying for me, it had, it had some issues here and there. So some of those issues for me with season two were I thought that the other gifted kids storyline was completely yeah, mismanaged. Was detour. It felt yeah. like they were trying to set up a spinoff. I didn't hate the idea of it. So yeah. let me clear that up. I didn't hate the idea of it. It's a little derivative of a lot of other shows. Like Fringe was like that. I mean, there's like yeah. lots of other shows are like oh, that. Fringe. We've got to talk about Fringe. Sometime. We should probably talk about oh, Fringe. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that show. But I did not like the execution of it. And I thought that episode seven, the one deviation from the main storyline was that w I would give that like a three or four out of 10. Like that episode is truly horrible. <laughs> I thought but the episode was good. I just didn't think it fit. It didn't really fit. No. And it would have fit better if they would have worked in, what was it, eight? Was that? Yeah, I think it was eight. Yeah. If they would have worked her in to yes. the larger story. Yeah, exactly. Way. Exactly. So that's what I mean by mismanaged. Yeah. Like it, it wasn't that that was, it, yes, it's a derivative, but that doesn't mean anything. You can still have a really good story about that. Yeah. The problem was it was just, it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel like it was the right story. Um, I think that the, the, the mysterious aspect of season one was great. I'm not a big fan of horror. Yeah. And that season one, like pushed my boundaries with like, I don't know if I can keep watching this dude. Cause this looks like it could be super scary <laughs> at any point in time. But I think like season two had the opposite problem where it just like said like, here's the monster. And like, mm -hmm. oh, that's the monster? Like, I mean, we don't get, there's no mystery about what it is. It's like, that's the monster. Yeah. Like, and that's a kind of like an old school rule. Like, just don't do that. Like, it's better not to show it and yeah. to kind of keep teasing it. So I think that reveal was too fast. And then my final complaint is that, and again, I love the show. The actors are amazing. The, the actors... I watch them read the phone book almost. Like they're they're all great. They're all phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and the new actors, I liked all the new characters too. Uh, I know some people didn't like um, the new Steve Harrington, like the, the bully, the bully guy. You're not supposed to. You're like not him. supposed to like him. Yeah, yeah. He's, he plays it great, and yeah. he's he has emotional complexity because the whole reason he's a bully is because he got bullied by his dad or stepdad or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. And the fact that they included those scenes so that we can get a picture for why he is the way he is, that mm. was great. Yeah. That's excellent filmmaking. So my, my, my last complaint, so I just want to say those positive things just so people don't think I'm complaining about it because this is still one of my favorite <laughs> shows of the year. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought that episode or season one had this awesome tie-in to Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And that theme was carried throughout the entire everything it was like how do we compare like well how do we come oh demigorgon it's like the demigorgon and then it's like mm -hmm. wait how do we compare this oh it's like the upside down yeah um that was super cool it's almost like they said we're just going to take D, D rules and then add those to like real life experience yeah really fun i think season two sort of tried to make it about an arcade game comparison at first and they're like ghostbusters yeah ghostbusters and they're like yeah. arcade games ghostbusters <clears throat> and they didn't quite get that and i thought that the duffer brothers did a really cool thing in the final episodes because if you look at who's credited at doing the final episodes the last two episodes i believe it is it's the duffer brothers mm -hmm. and they went right back to D. &D yeah and they started comparing it to D, &D again because the name they use for the monster 
is from D and D. Yeah. Also. Exactly. And they were kind of comparing it, like, oh, this is where. What so is th- it? I forget what it is. The, oh, the mind flayer. Is that what it is? Mind flayer. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, good. Good pickup. I forgot about that. Um, but I think that that metaphor is so strong that I'm like, you should just use that metaphor throughout season one and then continue it forward in season two. <laughs> so. Yeah. Really great, really great season of TV, but I still prefer season one. But I think you prefer season two. I, you know, I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't know. I'm not sure I can say which one I prefer hmm. because they have very different aspects. Yeah. Season one is like a horror show. Yes. Which, again, I, I'm with you. That's not my genre. Yeah. But I do like suspense and I do like to be yes. creeped out if it's not going to cross like a line of goriness yeah yeah or yeah. torture right or satanism or exorcisms and stuff like yeah. that like that kind <laughs> right. of stuff you know I, I i don't that doesn't entertain me but yeah i like to be creeped out i like ghost stories i like scary stories okay stuff like that yeah so and for me season one was the perfect horror perfect balance i totally agree it was a great balance yeah, yeah. and then season two kind of more of a superhero show Yep. Really. Yep. You know? Exactly. It's like, it's more Goonies-esque, you yes. know? It's like, and they're coming together as a unit. Yep. Which I really enjoy. I love the fact that they took the guy you hate from season one. Yeah, exactly. And made him like a fan favorite yeah. in season two. Oh, yeah. You're like, Steve Harrington's the best, How dude. did they pull that off? Like, that's <laughs> right. so impressive. Yeah, exactly. I, re- I even remember seeing him in the second ep- the first episode of season two, and I'm like, oh, he's still there? <laughs> Do we still need him? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and yeah, we do. He's yeah. going to be freaking cool. You just sit and wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And then I loved the relationship between Hopper and Eleven. Oh, I yeah. I thought that was super cool. That was pretty well, yeah. I will say, I think they squandered Eleven in the long run. I agree. Um, The final episode, amazing. Like, yes. Super cool. Yes. Should have done that sooner. Yeah. Or should have had her back with the group and interacting sooner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I think this time around, they have the benefit of knowing pretty well that Netflix is going to say, hey, we want a third season, you know? (laughs) Totally. So they can set some stuff up for where they're going in the future. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know which one I liked better. Mm, Okay. Season two might speak a little bit more to what I enjoy in stories. Sure. Because it's more about heroes and family than it is about horror yeah so yeah if they worked legacy in there it'd be a <laughs> legacy, man. well uh, okay so that brings something up yeah there could be some legacy in there because I, I know a lot of people are theorizing this mm-hmm. and i'm wondering if it's true so i'll ask you yeah do you think 11 could be hopper's daughter oh um I've never thought of that before. I kind of, really so, that never occurred to you. Never occurred to me. No, that occurred to me through the entire series. Even oh, really? In the first season. Interesting. I'm like, is that his daughter? The yeah. actual one that died, not like a different daughter. The actual yeah. daughter that died. Yeah. I, I think actually it's um, I think it's more powerful if she's not. Yeah. Because I like this. I like this if idea. He's compensating. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because I think. Or not compensating, but using her as a proxy. Exactly. Yeah. I think that that's more interesting because that's, to me, that's more like real life. Like that's, 
real life is is messy. Like like you said, the relationship between them is so good. And the reason it's so good is because you're watching Hopper and you're like, dude, stop being such an asshole, <laughs> right? But you also know that he's trying to do that because he he does not want any harm to come to her. Yeah. And and that's his rationale for being that way. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't see it that way. She mm-hmm. just sees him being a total jerk. And she's like, why are you being such a jerk? And so there's this constant, constant tension of like, they both care so much about one another, but they can't show it. Yeah. Um, and I think that that makes it, that makes that really, really cool. And I think the reason he feels that way is because he lost his daughter. And if she, if it was all of a sudden revealed that she was his daughter, it doesn't take that away, but I think it, in some ways it cheapens it. Yeah. And I like the fact that, um, she's like a surrogate daughter as opposed to his actual daughter. So I, I hadn't thought of that before, but that's what I would prefer. Yeah. I could go either way. I mean, that, I think that's where it actually is headed. Yeah. But if we were to find out that she actually is his daughter and he just hadn't said anything about it. Yeah. That there's some really interesting stuff there too. Yeah. I do think it's very likely that James Mangold is sitting back watching Stranger Things season two going, oh, <laughs> that's what Logan should have been like. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I know you're not going to argue with that. I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah. I still haven't done my Logan video <laughs> or podcast. You're never going to. I got to do That's it. That's the carrot you're going to dangle over the world forever. I, uh... and it's never going to happen. Well, see, now every, now everyone's putting it on their like best movies of 2017 list. And it just every time I see it, I'm like, no. Now like, you can stomp all awesome, over it. It's awesome, but yeah. no, I, there's, I still have this issue. But. So when we, when we do the second Story Geeks movie awards, that's when you're going to bash on Logan. <laughs> I'm gonna have all my ammunition. Like, all my ammunition. Yeah, we're gonna take a one-hour detour. We'll come back to everything else. We're gonna talk about Logan. Yeah, exactly. And we're all gonna look at you awkwardly. Yeah. Um, Why is he doing this? Oh no one wants to hear this. Okay. Last question. Um, our our last most downloaded episode was our top ten comic book movies of all time episode. Yep. It would have been really cool if we would have both gone back and found our top 10 lists from that episode. I don't think either of us did that, so no. that's okay. We don't have to talk about that. But um, in the larger sense, yeah, a lot of people have been talking about for years about superhero fatigue yes. in movies. Yes. Like there's going to be a point where no one's going to care about superhero movies anymore. Right. And we're going to be done with it. Mm-hmm. And everybody's going to be like, well, what the hell happened? <laughs> right. But that hasn't happened yet. No. It's been, I mean, if you go all the way back to Batman Begins, yep. even the first X-Men movie, yep. it's been almost 20 years of That's crazy. superhero movies yeah. getting pumped out with increasing regularity yep. to the point where now we get six, seven, eight of them a year. Which is insane, yeah. Yeah. So my question, why do you think it keeps thriving? Like, why do we love these movies so much? And then how much life do you think it has left in it? When do you think we will hit superhero fatigue? Yeah. So I'm going to answer the second question first. Mm -hmm. Um, I do believe we are currently in 2017, 2018 at the pinnacle. Okay. So it would be really hard for me to imagine that we would see even more superhero films. Yeah. Than we have now. Yeah. Um, because the only way to do that, would that probably be bad. <laughs> yeah, the only the only way to really do it truly would be to have new superheroes. Yeah. 
Now, now, which I people will... don't seem to want. No, no, people don't seem to want it. Except that there are these scenarios wherein, like, actually, I'm pretty excited about M Night. What M Night Shyamalan's doing? Shyamalan's yeah. doing. Mm-hmm. So I think that there are cases where a really good story could change some of that. But I do believe that we're at the pinnacle, and it, and I don't think. And we do have Dominic Toretto. <laughs> so true. Yeah, he's pretty much a superhero. Yeah. Um, I think that the the genre will always be around. I, I sort of equate it to. Um, to war movies in a way mm. or independent films war movies and independent films have never gone away yeah but there have been heydays for both war yeah. war movies and independent i think we're it's just kind of ebbed and flow yeah, yeah we're in the we're in the heyday of superhero movies our yeah. culture is accepting that as the as one of the best forms of entertainment um I think that just like uh, independent films and war movies, like you say, ebb and flow. So there will be like, you know, this is what tends to happen. The culture has a, we can't get enough of this. And then there is a fatigue, but the core fans are always still there. Yeah. You and I are going to like superhero movies. Professional Pro- wrestling is still very popular. Exactly. <laughs> Another great example. Yeah. Ebbs and flows all the time, though, yeah. right? So, like, I used to watch professional wrestling. I don't watch professional wrestling anymore. Yeah. But um, but mm-hmm. a lot of people still do. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking of the days of, like, you know, when you had Saving Private Ryan, The Thin Red Line. Yeah. You know, like, there was just war movie <laughs> after war movie after war movie. We still had Dunkirk, and Dunkirk was amazing. And I went and yeah. saw Dunkirk, and I was excited about it. Yeah. But there weren't 10 war f- movies made last year. Right. So I think that um, we'll always have a marketplace for superhero films. But some of the studios may shift or pivot to what people are more like. The, the mass market is more likely to buy tickets for. Yeah. And I don't think that superhero movies will be like eight a year anymore i think we might get like one or two a year um but we'll still have sci-fi we'll still have fantasy and those films will go in and out of popularity as well yeah so we'll always have geek stuff we'll always have geek stuff oh yeah um and i think that one of the things that the superhero films are doing that is both good and bad is that it used to be like if you looked at i think superhero stuff in the 1960s this answers your first question this gets Mm -hmm. to your first question like why we like them so much yeah um, I think that those films gave us something to strive for, right? It was like, oh, what if we were superheroes and tried to make the world a better place? Like, yeah, we should try to make the world a better place. Let's fight for a better tomorrow, right? Yeah. Like that. I'll, but I think as that marketplace and that genre of comic books got more mature, we started to see a lot of other stories coming out that were superhero stories, but they were being deconstructed. Yeah. Like Watchmen actually is, and, and Alan Moore talks about this sometimes. Is he basically basically Alan Moore was saying like, are are they really are they really the people we should be idolizing? Yeah. You know, like, and I think that 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 made oh, and then you see like Deadpool or Kick Ass or some films like that. They even they even offer the question of is evil really black and white? Yeah, because you, you're saying it is in these films, but is it really? Yeah, and I think that um, I think that that's great because it gives us so many different types of stories we don't have to go watch the same story over and over again we get to see these films where they're very nuanced and they're very they can be even very dark and 
Um, I still think the Dark Knight's the best, and it, and it has a pretty clear distinction between what good and evil looks like. Yeah. But the characters aren't necessarily always doing good or always doing evil. They're fighting for good and then trying to figure out what that looks like. Yeah, they're all flawed. Exactly. So, um, so I, I, I don't think I think that it start when superhero films started out. It was this kind of escapism of like, what if what would it look like for me to be a superhero? Yeah. Now I think it's not like that anymore. Now it's really <clears throat> nuanced where you can pick any kind of movie and make it a superhero movie and make it and make it a good superhero movie. So that's kind of that's kind of my take. And when you talk about flawed characters being a good thing, yeah. You kind of start to realize how important Stan Lee is mm. to superhero storytelling. Yeah. Cuz he was the one that came along with all the Marvel characters and said we need, you know, we we're, none of us are Superman. Right. None of us are Batman. Right. We can't relate to these people. We need characters who have flaws. Yep. So we had Tony Stark whose heart was on the verge of failing. Yep. You know, and you had um, Peter Parker who is a social outcast and a right. total nerd in real life. <laughs> and, you know, all of all of those characters had a very specific flaw. Yes. And that was his big deal. Yep. And so it's kind of like, beyond just the MCU itself, even in a larger sense, like Stan Lee's dream is really getting realized right now. Yeah, and there's something so truthful about the way that superheroes are formed. Because like just take for example, like like most superheroes are formed out of tragedy. Yeah. And you can look at those pivot points in the real world with just real human beings. Yeah. You can see those things as pivot points as well. A mm-hmm. lot of times if you're if you you asked about being a hero earlier, well, a lot of heroes, if you look at their backstories, there was something tragic where they're like, I'm not going to yeah. let this happen again, you know? <clears throat> so yeah. I think that, that and, then, and then there's also something about the Stan Lee comment you made where we we all root for people to overcome whatever it is. I, I was just listening to this story on NPR and it was about this um, this woman whose parents didn't tell her that she was legally blind. And they specifically did not tell her that because mm-hmm. they didn't want her to grow up thinking that she was less than other people. Yeah. And so she didn't, but then she had to struggle with like, well, I have to admit that I'm legally blind, but I don't want that to limit me in what yeah. my life is. And it's like, we want that. We want for her to be a hero because we, that's how our heroes are. Yeah. Like she's daredevil. Yeah. Right. Like, um, and I think that that's, that's, that's a really cool message of like, don't be defined by what you can't do. Yeah. That's really, really cool. So, and that's what Stan Lee kind of sort of gave us is like, you could be the next superhero. Yeah. Yeah. Which Chris Nolan did a little bit with the dark Knight rises too. Yeah. True. The whole idea of Batman can be anybody. Yeah. You know, true. Yeah. I wonder how different the comic book movie landscape is going to look after infinity war because i feel like in a lot of ways you know i mean brian singer had a huge hand in revolutionizing superhero movies yes he did yeah i said that poorly but you know i mean (laughs) sam raimi same thing yep christopher nolan same thing yep but you cannot deny what kevin feige and the mcu have done yeah like they were the ones who set out and said, we are literally going to put our comic book universe on film. Yeah. And they're doing it yeah. <laughs> and they've done it and it's amazing. Yeah. But arguably 
Infinity War is sort of a culmination. Yeah. Now, I know it's not story-wise. I know they're saying that Avengers 4 is the culmination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for us, they've been playing Thanos up so much that (laughs) putting him on screen is a culmination. Yep. And I'm curious to see what it's going to be like after that. I don't know. I mean, I think... uh... I think that this is why we see reboots happen so frequently in the comic book space is yeah. because the stories get so convoluted that if you're introducing new people to them, you almost have to reboot it in a way. Yeah. But I mean, if you're ever going to build a universe, I mean, take the example of what Marvel did in building their universe. I mean, their universe was built so strategically. Yeah. They, I don't think you could build it better than that. No. And another thing they had going for them is they didn't have any obligatory storytelling. Yeah. So if you look at yeah, the DC true. universe, you have some. Yeah. It's like they took a risk in not giving us a Batman origin film. Yep. It's like you have to have a Superman origin film. You have yep. to have a Batman origin film. Because people are so familiar with those stories. Yes. Non-comic book fans are familiar with those stories. <laughs> true, yeah. Non-geeks are familiar with those stories. Yep. Kids are familiar with those stories. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Marvel had the luxury of coming along with Iron Man and Thor and characters who comic book fans knew. Yep. They know their histories. Yep. But the audience at large, they don't care. Right, exactly. Like, we can build this. Yes. We can start where we want to start and build what we want to build. Yeah. And they did an amazing job. Yeah. And I just listened to a podcast the other day, an interview with Kevin Feige. Oh. I could listen to that dude talk all day. Really? Because he's a genius. Like, <laughs> the MCU does not exist without him. Uh, he is amazing. And he was making superhero movies before that. He worked with Brian Singer on the first three X-Men movies. That's crazy. And <clears throat> he even used to work for Richard Richard and Laura Donner. Oh, no way. Yeah. Um. So he's literally groomed to do this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now that was, it was after, it was in the 80s. So it was yeah, yeah, after yeah. the Superman movie. But um, he's been in this world his whole life. Right. So the MCU is not the beginning of it for him. But right. he's so brilliant. Yeah, it's crazy. And the fact that he and his team can orchestrate all this stuff is sick. Yeah. But then you sit back and you hear him talk. Normal guy. <laughs> he's not weird. He's not crazy. He's super yeah. level-headed. He's very nice. He's very kind. That's cool. Very humble. And we need to have him like, on the show. Oh Who knows gosh. Kevin Feige? Yeah. We want to talk to him. <laughs> we want to talk to Kevin Feige on the show. And it's just, oh my gosh, I'm just so impressed with him. That's cool. And that's why I, I look at like the DC universe, which I enjoy most of those movies, mm. but it's not coming together as well. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe it just can't happen because you don't have Kevin Feige. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it just doesn't happen without Kevin Feige. Yeah, true. You know? True. I don't know. I don't know either. So there's the answer. Why do we love comic book movies so much? Because Kevin Feige is still making them. (laughs) True. I like it. Great questions from Daryl. Recapping best podcast based on your downloads, what you you wanted to hear um, of 2017. Really fun to revisit all of those. If you haven't listened to them, go check them out because I think that they were all really fun to record. And they're all still out there. They're all still go out there. Go to iTunes, go to Podbean. Yeah, we don't limit we don't limit any of our backlog. So you can always go back and, mm-hmm. and check out any of the podcasts that we have. Um, and then, again, we're going to have some additional questions that are only available to Patreon subscribers. 
So that's exclusive content. And if you go to Patreon, um, there should be a link in the show notes. But if you click over to Patreon, you can become a subscriber. It costs you a little bit a month um, or as much as you want to donate. And there's different reward tiers for all that stuff. And you get to hear the additional um, additional questions that we have, additional exclusive content. So That's we're right. going to jump into that, and I hope you enjoyed this show. If you have additional questions that you want us to address from these shows, from the 2017 shows, shoot them over to us. Like We would love to address some of these questions. And these are your favorites. Let us know what you want your future favorites to be. Yes. What have we not talked about? Yes. What do you want to hear about? Yep. New and, and old. And we really love comments. Like I, we got a comment this morning um, on Podbean. That was a great comment. Mm. I, we got we had two new comments on YouTube earlier this week. that were fantastic comments. Um, I try and respond to every single comment we get. So please be out there and um, comment because we'd love to engage with you and get some yeah. of your takes on this stuff too. And check out the Story Geeks group on podcast. On podcast. <laughs> oh, words. <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> on Facebook, yeah. Yeah, we have a, the Story Geeks on Facebook, which is um, a really fun group, and we're always trying to share new stuff on there. And we have a lot of um, our fellow podcasters that do other stuff are, are a part of that group. Mm-hmm. So you can be introduced to additional, like the Story Cauldron, um, Nerd Soul, Network 1901. Like a lot of those people are ESO. in that group. ESO. Um, oh yeah, of course. How can I forget ESO? They were one of our, they're some of our first guests ever. Um, so yeah, definitely check out that group because it's a really, we call it the Story Geeks community because it's a community of super cool people that want to talk and dig deeper into all the favorite geek stuff. That is it for today's podcast. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe. And if you have an extra minute, write us a review or share this episode with one of your geek friends. All right, fellow geeks. As always, question everything in your favorite stories and always seek the truth. We'll catch you on the next podcast.